At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. The Custard TV Podcast. Hello, Luke here, editor of the website, joined as always by Gary in the London area. Hello. 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 I'm in the north. Hello. Hello. Now, full disclosure, because we like to be honest with the podcast listeners. Whoa, whoa, I whoa, don't. whoa, whoa, I whoa, don't. whoa, whoa. I'd never signed up for that. Oh, okay. No. I do as okay. editor and runner of the website. Now, I'm going away. I don't know if I mentioned it before on the podcast, but I'm going to the States in a couple of weeks. So, the, we're recording this a tiny bit early. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, so we can, so that I can get a chance to edit and put it up at the right time. But it means that anecdotes are not going to be flowing quite as freely as ordinarily because we only spoke about two days ago. Can we muster up an anecdote from somewhere? I don't know what we can... I, I, I've had a nice Sunday. I had a lie-in and then walked to the local shops with my mum and then came back and had a chicken and tomato sandwich. And now I'm doing this. So no... It's going to have to do. It's going to have to do. Luke, Gary, and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. How long of a line do you give yourself on a Sunday? Oh, I, yeah, well, normally, normally I go out on a Sunday. I normally go to church on a Sunday, but we didn't go today. Uh, 8.30, I think, was was the time I woke up and thought, yeah, okay, yeah. I can consider that a lying. Why didn't you go to church? You've gone off God? No, uh, he's gone <laughs> off me. No, um, uh, <laughs> mum, mum's not been, as you, as you well know, mum's yes. not been finished, right? so we decided to have a, 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 okay. just a, a local trip. Will that be all right with God when you see him next? Is that well, it's it's okay? it's it's not about it's, you know you don't get ticked off you don't you know when you, when you get to heaven it's not like oh well, you didn't turn up on that <laughs> Sunday sorry hell you go last week when it's the bank holiday weekend I didn't set my alarm on Friday when I went to bed um, yeah went to bed quite late say about one a.m. quite got late up, that got up or an early late. morning technically sorry two in the afternoon I got up. Wow, are you like twenty-one or something? I I once uh, <laughs> no, a, I once shared a flat with someone who did that. He, he used to stay up playing video games in the middle of the night, and once a month or maybe once every six weeks would do that. He would like 
go to bed on a Friday night or Friday morning and then not wake up till like half four or five in the afternoon. I, I just get like it, all his sleep. I didn't plan it. I just no, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm saying it's, it's similar. And he used to scare the living daylights out of me by coming out of his room at like half five in the afternoon or whatever, you know, sort of like, and I'd be like, have you just woken up? And he went, yep. Did that ruin the rest of your week, though, Matt? Or, no, because then you're awake at two. Oh, so you got to get back up anyway. I, I got, I got days. into. If it had been a normal weekend, I think I would have struggled because mm. I had that extra day to play with. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be jet lagged soon when I get back, so we can record. You know, half past eleven at night, we can record any time. That's TV news, of which there is a tiny bit. Well, big bit, depending on whether you're a fan or not. Doctor Who, which we know is returning, with Jodie Whittaker at the helm and Chris Chibnall running the show. Uh, it was found... Joe... oh, no. Don't do that gag. Um, <laughs> so uh, we now know that that's coming to Sundays in October. Sunday, the 7th of October. No official time yet, but it's quite early to get the date. So Sunday, the 7th of October is when the new Doctor Who will air. It doesn't affect me because I'm not a big fan, but I do think if they can get the right 9pm drama after the Strictly results, I'm presuming this will go before the Strictly results, then they could really own Sunday night. Any thoughts? I think um, I think moving it to Sunday is bold because ever since it returned, you know, sort of six, seven years ago, it's always been a Saturday evening show. Um, but I do think you're right. You know, they have got the opportunity with, you know, the sort of like the country file lead in for those that like that, a nice sort of, you know, family program in, in Doctor Who. I assume uh, that it will be on before the Strictly results, but that's just my assumption because it's still classed as a kids show that adults like. I think it doesn't really matter when when <laughs> something's on now, anyway, is it really? Today's well, I think I... it matters with the big things like <laughs> Doctor Who, perhaps. But why? Uh, but why? Well, because they want to watch it when it's on telly, so they can talk about it, don't they? Who? What? Who? Who are they? The, the, the massive fans of Doctor Who. Don't, they're not waiting for it to pop up on I think here. that's the I think that's the adult fans the, the sort of I think I think now like families and that who watch it I don't think they particularly care if they watch it when it's on it's people who who want to talk about it straight away like on Twitter or whatever but and, I think and again and again maybe it kind of shows that I mean I think I think the last series was good but you know you've got a new writer you've got a new doctor you've got a female doctor They've got well, no, but they've got the real chance to like relaunch this, and I think this is a bold move, and I think it could pay off because you're right. There's an opportunity to really own Sunday nights. I know that you could turn around and say, well, with the X Factor doing so badly, maybe they should stick with Saturdays. But X Factors on Sundays, they could really drive it into the ground. Yeah, almost the X Factor with this. Yeah, amazing, or not, depending on what we think of Doctor Who when it comes back. Or we will know when we find out. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll know when we find out. What does that yeah. even mean? And, and not a minute before. <laughs> Hi, this doesn't happen very often, but I've had to interject because uh, I'm doing the edit and I realised when we do Gary Goes West now, we talk about an HBO show that's on Sky Atlantic and at no point. Do any of the three of us think it's important to mention the name of the show? So it's on HBO, it's on Sky Atlantic now, and now TV now, and it's called Succession. I had to interject because we don't say it, but it's called 
succession. This is created by Jesse Alexander. No, they no, it's not. No, no, no. 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 It is created by Jesse Alexander. Creator Jesse, Jesse Armstrong. 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 He said Alexander. Yeah. Sorry, I meant Armstrong. I do apologise. <laughs> Even when you're looking at it, it's not under. Really get it right. I don't know. I'm just looking at Jesse Armstrong. All right, I made a mistake. Back off. He's starting early today. You two, you two, just back off. Created by Jesse Armstrong, who you may recognise as a British man. Yes, he is. Uh, he has written uh, the Mitchell and Webb look. He's also written. Um, uh, the key show. thing he's written is is what's the thing he's key thing he's written? Peep show, fresh meat, show, thank you. and fresh that. meat, fresh meat. Yeah, this is loosely based on the Murdoch family, and by that I mean loosely enough they won't be sued. Um, but basically, you have a media empire which has been uh, sort of uh, made by Brian Cox, who plays the head of the family, Logan Roy. Uh, he is kind of on the downside of of sort of handing over business to his. Now, I think this is his eldest son. Uh, no, it's his no, second no, eldest son. It's his son. second eldest, right. Okay. Alan Rook is the eldest son, the guy from right. City and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. With his, with a very young girlfriend. And his, his second eldest son, is it Jeremy Strong that plays him? Is it Kendall Roy? Yes. I think yes. it is. Yeah, uh, that's his second son. And he plays kind of a... I don't know, he appears to be slightly incompetent, but at the beginning of the episode, he's actually trying to close a deal... Uh, with a, 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 a startup tech company to sort of take them over and have them sort of brought into the empire, uh, and and throughout this kind of episode, you see him sort of fumbling the the negotiations, not really listening to his aides, and sort of showing that perhaps he still perhaps needs his father's help to sort of close the deal. Uh, but we're coming up on his father's birthday, uh, and the events are centered around his birthday get together. Uh, which, in true opulent style, starts off at home with a meal, and then all of a sudden they all jump in their helicopters and go off to play softball. Uh, I mean, you don't. <laughs> not every birthday. No, oh, okay. not every no, year. No. Maybe special birthdays. On my oh, okay. 12th birthday, I think it would have been. No, 11 in 94. I went yes. up in a helicopter on my birthday with Noel Edmonds and Mr Blobby. Because wow. that's how I roll. He, he drove it, and I was in the front passenger Was this seat. a dream? Not blobbing. No, it was <laughs> true. It's real, yeah. It was at the Silverstone Circuit, which is still local to us. And, uh, was this like a shot for Noel's Christmas presents? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not a charity case. Well. No, he, he was just doing it for um, some kids in the local area, and I happened to be in the local area and of the right age. And I went up in a helicopter... With with Noel and Mr Blobby. When I say Noel, Noel was driving, not Blobby, that would have been awkward. Uh, so there's other members of the family, as we say. There's the older, there's a, the older brother, uh, who is uh, played by Alan Ruck. There's another younger brother who's played by a blooming Culkin. No, yeah. not Kieran. Macaulay. Kieran. Uh, was he ever in any of the Home Alones? I don't know. Yes. Yes. He was. He right. was the he younger was... brother in in the first or oh, the first two the Home Alones. The first oh, proper okay. ones. And he plays the kind of younger brother, the kind of like the freeloader, the, the drug-taking, loves-having-the-money, playboy-type brother. The um, Gary of the group. Yes. Yeah, the Gary of the group. <laughs> and then we have, Roman. Then we have Roman? a sister. Uh, what's her name? Let's see if we can find her name. Shiv I think that's Sarah think? Snook. Is that yeah. Shiv Roy? Shiv. That's a Shiv. Sivorn. It's Sean for Sivorn. And uh, she's married to another Brit, uh, Matthew McFadden, who pops up as her husband, yeah. Tom. Mr. Keely Hawes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Matt. Uh, um, 
Fiance, 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 and he appears quite two faced. And, and there's there's a very interesting scene uh, with one of the nephews uh, on, on when they're playing softball about him sort of put, appearing to sort of have fun with him, but they get the impression that he's not really having fun with him. He's actually teasing mm. him. But basically, on the day um, they they go out to this kind of softball game, and just before that, just before the the, the softball game. Uh, Brian Cox announces that he's not stepping down as the, the, the mogul, the head honcho, that actually he's going to carry on and he's kind of not handing the business over to uh, the second son. What starts off as looking like a family thing almost turns into like a business arrangement dinner, uh, doesn't it? With sort of family sort of siding with each other and having conversations. Uh, by the end of the episode, unfortunately, Brian Cox has had an aneurysm uh, brain, brain, hemorrhage. brain hemorrhage brain and appears to be in a, a vegetative state uh, and and we've got the company pretty much left in limbo at that point the the deal uh, with the emerging tech company does get signed but it appears to be quite aggressive in that the, the, the there's a lot of animosity between the 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 son and, and and the guy that he's brought out there's some quite tense words in the boardroom it appears to be that what we've got here is what's going to be a very tense kind of like who's going to stab who in the back and uh, and, and, and sort of like that kind of drama. My thoughts are that I thought Brian Cox was really good. I mean, I think he's a really good actor. He's shown that pretty much in everything he's been in. I didn't like any of the others. Um, I know you're probably not supposed to like Brian Cox, but I, th- I found his character quite sort of ingenious. I think you're right. There's nobody here to latch on to. There's nobody to like. They're all pretty despicable and, and it's hard to relate to them all. Uh, because they're all so wealthy and, uh, you know, they're quite up themselves. It's a world we're not seeing much of. But I have to say, I've watched the second one just to see where it goes. And I have to say, I think I'm going to keep on watching because I think, although I normally need somebody to latch on to, I just like the family dynamics between mm. them all. And I like the the cousin who's trying to find mm. his place in the family. And they the second oh, episode yeah. is... Is all a, is all about the family in the hospital trying to work out what they do next. They send the cousin off to get him out of the way. They send him to the house to get a load of things. And I love the way they they sort of use him to their advantage. The girl who plays Shiv, uh, Sarah Snook, who's Australian, who I've seen a fair few things. Mm. She's really good, and she's got a good chemistry with Kieran Culkin. But it's all written by English writers. But it feels mm. very American. There's not an American writer on board, they're all English. And I don't know whether that's why I like but there's just something about it that interests me, and I, it wouldn't ordinarily, because, again, they're not likeable people, they're horrible people, and why would I want to spend more than an hour in their company? But something about it resonated with me, I'm not even sure what, but I quite enjoyed it. I'm sort of where you are, Luke, really. I, I agree. Um, I've only watched the first one, but I think I am going to watch some more of it. It's, I think it's the dialogue. I think you're right. It's mm. very snappy. It's very yeah. fast-paced. It's Well, this first episode directed by Adam McKay, who did stuff like Anchorman and The Big Short and things like that. So it is sort of very snappily directed as well. But the, the barbs that go back and forth between, you know, it's like the big business, it's like the bitchy family stuff. I love the stuff with... Alan Rook bringing like sourdough bread mix yeah. for oh, his dad's yeah. birthday as a present. I thought that was a great scene. I didn't realise he was one of the kids at first. It took me a while because no, he's the only son from the first marriage, and then the other three are from his second marriage, and then obviously he's now in his third marriage to this woman who he wants to leave most of his 
resources to. But I think you're right as well, Luke, that the character of Greg is meant to be sort of like our proxy, isn't he? Yeah. He's this hapless mm. youngster who he's like the great nephew of, of Brian Cox's character, who's yeah. the grandson of his his brother that he doesn't see. I liked him. I like the scene where he gets a job as like a mascot in a theme park and the kid yeah. tries to ride him and he, he pukes out of like the eyeballs of the... Yeah. That was really good to see. Yeah, there was a, I mean, there are some genuinely like funny moments in this, but I, Brian Cox sort of grounds it as this sort of, you know, billionaire who's sort of out of touch with the modern world a little bit as well. So it is quite timely, in the, I suppose, in a time where, you know, the country is being run by a, you know, businessman, businessman in inverted commas. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I liked it. And at its heart, it is like a family show. It is like a family, it's a family drama, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, it's like a bit like a sort of parenthood with money. Parenthood meets billions. Brothers and sisters was what I was thinking <laughs> yeah. of as well. Yeah, I've watched the second one, which I think you'll both enjoy because yeah. it's the it's the it's the hospital, and they're all in a confined space. Matthew McFadden is is actually I'm not always his biggest fan, but in this he plays a very different character, and I liked what happens to him I, while they're at the hospital. I as haven't well. liked him in anything since Spooks. I didn't I think, really rate him in Spooks, to be well, honest. Well, I, I I did because I think I could get behind I liked what his character in... was trying to do ambassadors if you remember uh, that with yeah i do remember that yeah ironically has he ever been in a series with his wife yes ambassadors spooks oh really he was in ambassadors was he? all right and they were in both spooks. in they were both in ambassadors but i don't think they're ever on screen together they were in three series of spooks together though that's how they met uh, to draw a line on how long was neil armstrong actually on the moon when did europe start speaking english did marco polo really go to china Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. As well, Gary, um, Jesse Alexander worked on Heroes, so maybe that's where you know that. Yeah, maybe that's all I just can't read. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. You're listening to the Custard TV podcast, the official podcast of thecustardtv.com. There are many ways you can uh, support the podcast. I don't think we mentioned Patreon yet this week. So if you'd like to give us some pennies and get lots and lots of hours and hours of exclusive content, then patreon.com slash thecustardtv. You pledge five dollars, you get loads of bonus stuff, and you can subscribe for a month and then pack it in. It, every, every little helps, as um, Tesco used to say. Um, if you can't support us monetarily, the best way to support us is either by or both. Do both. YouTube.com. Uh, find the Custard TV on there. Um, subscribe and then get liking and sharing them videos, folks. Um, also, uh, iTunes. If you could give us a lovely review and some kind words, we very much appreciate it. Um, in terms of social media on Facebook, The Custard TV, Twitter, 
at Matt's TV Bites, at Luke Custer TV, and at the Gary Show. If you'd like to get in touch on old fashioned email, you can Custer TV Reviews at gmail.com. Matt! Hello? He's got the whole reviews in his hands. He's got the whole reviews in his hands. As we're talking about Keely Horse, should we do the third episode of Bodyguard? What? Yeah, why on. not? So in this one, it was all building up to this sort of talk that um, Julia Montague was giving about her new... It's like a privacy law, I suppose you could say. Yeah, um, Ripper, isn't it? It's very timely. Again, it's, it's, it's yeah. what's sort of happening now invasion of privacy to, uh, under the sort of thing of you know we're trying to seek out terrorism and things like that and she gave a very eloquent speech i have to say i i don't know if they have like political advisors i on quite the... like that speech and i could i yeah. could imagine hearing that speech mm. as well the sort of subterfuge was continuing where um david was sort of listening to her through their adjoining hotel um wall as she was having these secret conversations with the head of like the security services but then the first time not feeding it back to uh, um, his boss Pepe Hayward or not not recording it either i think that was the key thing wasn't it is that he listened but didn't record um a lot like what sometimes happens with the podcast yeah yeah that's right yeah <laughs> or just record <laughs> he, he listens it back and finds out he's only recorded his side of the room my favorite scene here was the one where she sort of tried to surprise him in the middle of the night and he almost killed her and i thought that yes. was really well done that well the only thing i didn't okay i'll come back to my feelings about that later no go on well no it's just that i couldn't work out was that meant to express the fact that he'd gone back to his own room rather than waking up with her yeah. Had they spent the night together or not? Because it wasn't... It's, they'd had sex. Let's Which not we go all know that doesn't again. mean they're in a relationship. Oh, no, for God's sake. Is he, had he brought her any presents at this point? No. Yeah, that's right. Have they been on any dates? <laughs> the bigger theme here was the fact that she is the, ne- the latest in a long line of people who've told him that he needs to get help, obviously. This is sort of... we, we We're guessing why his marriage broke down was because... Mm. Things like maybe things like this always happen, and his wife just got sick of being throttled all the time. Yeah, but yeah. He, again, a very good performance Great by Richard Madden as this guy who's obviously got these issues. Um, but the the big thing at the end is that, that a bomb goes off, um, mm-hmm. which I again I wasn't expecting. Um, well, her aide, her aide, yeah, says I need to change some things. Okay. The speech needs to be changed. I've got the paperwork here. Richard Madden's character looks in the in the briefcase, okay's it, and then you see him on the side of the stage. Then you see the bomb go off, and you see Keely Horse looking rather startled. Uh, and then making that know, assumption then that, that that's that it's making him completely the bomb. completely making that assumption. Yes, probably the episode right. almost ends quite too soon. I mean, I know it's because they want it on a cliffhanger, but it, it almost ends just as you're about to find out. I I personally is. think it should have ended with the bomb. Yes, you have are. a weird, you have a weird relationship with time. Things are too long, or they, or they end too no, no, soon. No, no, or... I, just, I yeah. actually agree with <laughs> Think that. about what you just said there. Luke. End yeah, of the no, I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> the ending of the episode was kind of like, mm. I don't know, it just felt like the beginning it of was, the next it episode. Was, it was a bit, yeah. No, I agree. It was almost feel like if they'd ended it with the explosion, and then next time yeah. we're picking it up afterwards. Whereas this was. 
like five minutes added on for for some reason. Yeah. But, um, I had the, my theory seemed to be that the I I thought it was the little police officer for she was I was a bit suspicious of her. I thought because there was things being leaked, and I thought. Oh, you mean the one that calls him? The one that calls him Skip. Um, Skip yeah. He's, okay. He's she dead. was the first. She was the first one to run. So that does th- that does make sense. Anyway, anyway, uh, we, we 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 can't really sort of theorize no. on Jed McKinnon's show. Jed has think? a Jed has a history of doing this. Do you think we've seen the last Akili Horse? No. If this was episode five. I might agree with you, but as this is only episode three, there's too much story that you need her for. And I think they've built up that she is the co-lead of the show, and you know, yeah. you've got all this stuff. If, yeah, if but he's done this doing... to us before, hasn't he, with Daniel Mays? But, yeah, but they were all in the first episode. But yeah, but had... they were built up as the new leads of the show, that's what I'm saying. I think it's so many people talking about, oh, she's this dangerous politician, oh, she, you know, there's been so much stuff about her in the in the first three episodes, yeah. and you know, I imagine we'll, we'll know the answer to that within the first five I, minutes. I don't, I don't anyway. think so. I, I okay. know where you, I know what you're getting at, but I think he's just got she, a history of doing that. So yeah, I wondered but whether... I think, as Gary said, if it was early, the shock would be if it was early enough in the series, and I think they they've established the relationship between the two of them. They've they've made bits solely about her though as well it's not just his story it's her mm. her story in terms of is this woman dead it, has she set this up herself that's the other question the uh, the other thing has the as bomb well... been, has the bomb been orchestrated as a way to push through this bill and um yeah i think the fact that we're the- we don't often get to theorize a lot about shows we review them and we say whether we like them or dislike them but we don't often get to have our theories about them and uh yeah, if, in fact, even up to the bomb, this was probably my favourite episode of the three because it was the most calm. Mm. It was more about the relationship, and I believe the relationship, and I will keep referring to it as a relationship. I accept relationship, it now. I believe it more as a relationship in this third one, and I think it is within her best interest to keep him closed as well because there's a scene where they're kissing and and fondling one another, and she said, I know you'll always protect me, you know, yeah. and that's, but f- very calmly and very firmly, and I, I believe she's still in charge where, where that is concerned. Well, I, but, I did like the, the scene where um, she, except she thought maybe there was something wrong, and he was, like, dismissing it, and then, you know, so they, so they spent the evening apart, and then the next morning she apologised, said, please don't let this be another situation where you don't like, where someone doesn't like strong women in charge. And I think that does underline her her character. He's, she is the strongest woman in any room. There were two brief things about this episode that not irked me, but didn't sit right. Number one was the choking scene. And I don't know. I mean, it felt a little bit out of nowhere. We know he's got issues, though, with PTSD. And this is we one know, of the... Yeah, this, okay, is, but, this, is, but, this is related to his PTSD. It's part of his army training. It's his... It's what is part of what's wrong with him, and that's what this is. What they're showing you, you know, in previous episodes, you saw him hearing the the sounds of the helicopters and like almost blacking out. And this is another example of it. This is him, you know, violently thinking he's under attack. He's certainly setting up very well this idea of who do you trust, you know, and, and I do think that's brilliant. The other thing I would say. In episode one, we had a bomb on a train. In episode two, we had a shooting on a on a, on a rooftop. And a in bomb episode... outside a school. 
Yeah, and episode three, we had a bomb in a political speech area. Where are we going to go? I mean, like Jed's really throwing everything at this. That's which not, I, you don't need. You don't need to worry about that. Though, no, sure, you? I'm sure I don't. But I'm, I'm, I'm a slightly concerned of like, where do we go in the next three episodes? How are you going to beat this? How are you going to top this for your finale? I love the fact that he's stepping it up. I just, I just worry. I'm just like, wow, where is he? And that just as a, as a viewer, I'm like, what's going to happen? I don't know how I felt about this. I, I, there were points that I liked, but I think when it when it goes sort of the political end, it, it starts to lose it a bit for me. Um, mm. And I think, especially if, if those two aren't on screen together, if it's her. I think the least interesting thing about Bodyguard is Julia Montague's trying to be Prime Minister. I think that's the the, the least interesting part of it for me. I think yeah. he... I would his, agree with that. His relationship with her and, you know, who do you trust? And obviously, again, going back to the tagline of the threat is closer than you think. But no, I'm still enjoying it, still intrigued. I think I think you've got to that point where it's who do we trust and where obviously as well they're investigating the rooftop shooter and soon enough they'll see the connection between him and and, and uh, Dave. So, yeah, um, enjoying it still, I think, I... It, and, and interested to see where we're going next. But I'm slightly, and coming on to the other thing we're going to talk about, the the sexual content again. Oh, Gary, old man Gary. Yeah, what, well, no, what, just... What's your issue with it? I don't um, know. I just, it's, again... It's, 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 I suppose it's the power play, isn't it? It's the... Yeah. It's it's the woman being in power and who has the power, and that's part of the theme of, so, yeah. of the show. And maybe it's because I've watched the other thing and I'm thinking, good grief, BBC One. So we'll talk about that other thing, which is uh, which is Wonderlust, uh, the new um, drama from uh, on BBC One on Tuesday nights. Uh, Luke, do you want to guide us through this? Because this was one that you were sort of uh, promoting quite a lot. So this is a new relationship drama. I'm going to use that name word again, Gary. Uh, relationship yeah. drama from uh, playwright Nick Payne. It's a six-parter on BBC One on Tuesday nights, as Matt said. Uh, Co- Tony Collette, not Coney Tillette, as I was about to say, but to not myself. Well done. But, um, uh, who is one of my favourites uh, in the movie world. I don't watch a ton of films, but I do like stuff she's in. Tony Collette uh, plays Joy, this uh, sex therapist who has uh, spent a year of her life um, basically in a lot of pain with her back. She had a terrible cycling accident where she was hit by a car and she's uh, been out of commission and sort of rebuilding her life and rebuilding her body for the past year. She's married to Alan, played brilliantly by Stephen McIntosh, who who, uh, we last saw in Kiri and who is one of my favourite actors on UK TV. I think he's brilliant. And they have... uh, do they have two young children, or two teenagers, or one? They've got one yeah. teenager and one like grown-up daughter who's a That's lesbian. Right. Who's a lesbian who pops back in? Yeah. So, uh, so they are sort of expe- when we meet them, they're experimenting with their sexual relationship again um, after so long of her not being able to to do anything really, thanks to her injuries. Uh, Stephen McIntosh- broke her coccyx. Stephen McIntosh plays a teacher. One of his colleagues is. Uh, the brilliant Zoe Ashton from Fresh Meat. She's uh, Claire, and uh, they have kind of an interesting relationship as friends. And uh, it sort of transpires that they have 
a little free song to the soundtrack of Warren G's Regulate, um, Regulate, yeah. which I which Don't I have. about Nate Dog. Yeah, no. I do. I do love that song. I really love that. Yeah, song. I had that stuck in my head yesterday yeah. after one. Yeah, love that song. Uh, and they have kind of a uh, a free song. She gets him to try some drugs, and uh, it all takes off, and they have a moment together, and he feels terrible about it, and sort of confronts Tony Collette and tells her tells her about that. Then there's also um, Tony Collette going back to work. As a therapist, and she's meeting up with Royce Pearson. She's counselling him, and there's also a uh, an, uh, the idea that she may have a relationship down the line with the character played by William Ash, who she meets later on. There's an awful lot going yeah. on. When Stephen McIntosh and Tony Collette sort of confide in one another that they're feeling differently about each other, they make the decision to sort of see other people within their relationship and they say they're not they're not they don't hate one another they're not against one another but they just feel like they've they've both moved on and they both accept that you know in an adult manner and later on in the series she tells her, her son and her daughter we mentioned is a lesbian and she's got uh, issues in her relationship life so it's just it is basically a relationship drama that takes things a little bit further than you'd expect on BBC One at nine after Holby for all the housewives, and it's it's full of humour and, and and Gary and Gary and Gary. Yeah. Yeah. It's full of humour, and uh, I think the characters are all very believable and interesting. And I thought it was vibrant and colourful, and didn't take itself too seriously, and felt a bit like a breath of fresh air. Now, let's hear Gary's thoughts on it. I don't hate it. I just won't be watching it. I don't hate it. I don't, it it's unfair to say I hate it. Tony Collette is very good. I did like Tony Collette's character. I liked that. I, th- I thought I'd be a bit annoyed with another therapist, but actually she was different. But I'm sorry the sexual content and the sexual stuff was just too much for me and too much for BBC One at 9 o'clock. This is going to get complaints. I can feel it. What's wrong with having that though? On, I don't on know. The what, I don't know why what, you're. What, a... what's, your, what's your issue with seeing sexual content on the screen? Uh, nine o'clock. It's not what I want to watch. It's it's not. That's not what. So it's just not, it's not, your personal feelings. It's my, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm absolutely so talking for me, yeah. and I, I feel that the, it will get complaints because I did. Luke said something a couple of weeks ago. This feels much more like a Channel Four ten o'clock drama. Oh, it did. Well, even no, the look it feels and like a Channel feel 4, of nine it. o'clock drama, but yeah. But um, like even like the the very bouncy intro, you know, the very yeah. kind of like. I, I, yeah, I'm not very way good. Way in which at, it came out. I'm not very good at doing the the sum ups. Matt's far better than that. Uh, no, no, I think no, I think, you, I think but, no. But what I forgot to mention was a. It, there's also the son's the relationship with someone yeah. at school, and b. This is all going on Netflix around the world. That's why it might feel very different. It's made by the BBC in conjunction with Netflix and it will go on Netflix around the world once the six have aired on the BBC. And and, and that that makes a bit more sense now that I know that because Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends and savour our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal.
The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. I really do feel like this is a not... I mean, I could even see this in like a BBC Two sort of thing. It just doesn't feel BBC One, if you know what I mean. I don't know. No, but I, I think that's a, good, that's a good thing, and I agree with you, but I'm saying that it's a good thing rather than a, than a scary mm-hmm. thing. I think it's good that it doesn't feel like BBC. I think they should be... You know, applauded for taking a bit of a risk. It may well get some complaints, but I imagine the people who complain just won't watch it, and the people that do watch it. Well, that want that always surprises me. I mean, that that that, that I, I I've been on Twitter this week complaining about the uh, the number of people that seem to complain about loose women might outweigh the number of people who actually watch it. Definitely, you should be allowed to voice. I don't your think opinion, there's anything I think, I think in this you... that's offensive, though, Gary. It's just like no. people having sex. I am a middle-aged single white man. I do not have any connection to any of those people um i don't feel like i so... particularly though either no 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 but i'm not talking about but you i'm talking about how i feel about it I, yeah. i'm not saying that you have to have one i'm saying for me i couldn't really find anything to connect to if anything the most interesting character was the zoe astro because she's such a good actress i i didn't have an issue with this being a drama about no sex or something like that. but it's it's not something that particularly interested me and i don't think the characters were strong enough to make me care about it really um it's very again i use this as a criticism it is very middle class and i think Luke, you knew that i might have an issue with yes, that rather than yes um i'm surprised you like this as much as you did I, this doesn't I think what it was, see... i saw that i saw this a long time ago mm. and i i i normally i read up on stuff and i didn't and i watched it cold uh, and was and it because thought... it was a surprise it was something it was, different it was a genuine than... surprise it it took risks i i just i thought it was a very easy easy watch and i thought it had okay. humor oh, and and humanity and you know, I, I I thought maybe you maybe these aren't right, characters you... that you tend to care about very much. You know, no, they're... I would agree with that. But they're I very middle class. The, the you know, they've not got much to worry about, and there's no real drama really. It's about the fact that there's a middle aged couple who are getting bored having sex with each other, so decide to have sex with other people. That is the premise but of the I, thing. I found. Yeah. Also, also, I sorry, I'm just. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Also, I felt that I I didn't think the writing was particularly strong. I I obviously it's, it's a Nick Payne's a playwright, and was this adapted from a play that he'd written? I'm not sure about that, if I'm honest. Um, it felt it did feel very stagey, and I didn't I, I especially didn't believe the voices coming from the younger characters, the son. Did it felt like he was talking like a middle-aged man? But shoulder person. Yeah. Yeah. There was a very much a role reversal there, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, but it felt, the son it, walking it, felt the un- it felt unnatural, and yeah. a lot of it to me didn't ring true. It felt like I was watching a drama rather than watching these people go about their daily lives. It didn't work for me, and and it's it's one of those dramas that. Like the main bone of contention, pardon the pun, is it isn't something that's strong enough that I think can anchor a six-part drama. 
Well, I think I think that you, some of your points I agree with. Some I don't, obviously, because I enjoyed it more than either of you. But what I would say, you said about not caring about these people's very middle class. Um, I would say I enjoyed this. I I enjoyed this far more than something like the split. I thought that the the I didn't the, like the that split was either. far more. Yeah, that was far more middle class and far yeah, more. Yeah, but I didn't watch that. I, I agree with you. I don't, That's why I don't I put <laughs> I don't put them. I don't put the two in the same category. Really, because it wasn't necessarily to, to to defend the split a little bit. It wasn't so much the family stuff that made me like it. The family stuff was there. It was more the legal side that intrigued me. But I, I think I even said that the family side of it sometimes dragged it down a bit, but equally also kept it quite balanced when the legal stuff took over. But I would say this these... doesn't, and I and I think this doesn't have anything to balance it. These couples probably the Stephen McIntosh and Nicola Walker would probably live on the same street as, sorry, Stephen Mangan. What's if Mangan would no, live? On, to be fair, you're quite yeah. right. The Stephen, Stephen McIntosh and, and Nicola Walker would probably live on the same street. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see what you mean. The suburb, yeah. They are. They they do. I mean, this has got a bit more because of the content of it. Feels a bit more sort of. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for now? Like contemporary. Um, but they they would live in the same borough. They they're on about the same pay grade. I, I know the tone of it doesn't feel as middle class. It wasn't deep enough. I think is the thing that it was. It felt quite shallow in places. Tuesdays. Um, I liked it. Matt didn't like it as much or at all. And Gary just hung up on the doesn't sexual like content. Sex. Didn't like doesn't it. Like sex. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Thursday night saw the start of a brand new six-part drama uh, entitled Press, written by uh, Mike Bartlett of Dr. Foster and uh, more recently Trauma. Uh, this stars Ben Chaplin as the sleazy editor of a, um, a tabloid Here's Morgan, I'm guessing, is probably his Well, he's a sort of composite character. Yeah. Um, I, I went to the screening of this. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, and the post, as you can imagine, is very much the... You know, he sees it as an entertainment paper rather than a newspaper. The stories are around, like, this government minister who they found these sort of racy photos of that she took when she was a student. And also the uh, suicide of a Premier League footballer and this is sort of um, juxtaposed by uh, the Herald, the staff there, headed by um, a character played by Charlotte Riley, who is very sort of principled, wears a lot of jumpers. All of them actually at the Herald wear a selection of very nice jumpers. She sort of focused on this hit and run um, case that there may have been a police car involved, this girl got knocked down and killed. Um, and then there's sort of bigger themes at play, including like a sort of press inquiry, like a, a sort of Leveson type thing. Um, there's suggestions that the Post want to hire more sort of journalists. David Suchet appears briefly as sort of the Rupert Murdoch character of the whole thing. And basically, it is, it, there's a lot of sort of stories of the week. It is it's more sort of soapy than a lot of the dramas we, we're used to recently but there is a sort of character development as well with those sort of two main characters and also a character i think his name is ed who's sort of the it's his first week on the job and he's his first death knock when he sort of tries to get the um exclusive scoop with the parents and the dead footballer 
Um, I'll go to Luke first on this one, I think. A lot of bits I did like, and I won't spoil it, but I like the way the story turned. Um, there's a little bit of a twist in the tale uh, mm. where Charlotte Riley is concerned. I genuinely didn't foresee. I thought there, were, was... there were actually some gasps in the screening yeah. when... Oh, like, really? Audible gasps. There were some... some that I, I didn't expect, and I thought uh, it was very well handled. I spoke to a lot of journalists yesterday uh, at the Killing Eve screening, and I thought if anyone's not going to like it, it's going to be journalists, because they'll think, oh, it's, they're not telling the true story. And everyone I spoke to about it seemed to be quite complimentary. I think for me, it's just, I wasn't, I don't know, I'm not as interested in the journalistic world on screen, and I, I don't I know. I know of Reggie writing. I just don't, oh, I don't... No. I don't see me watching this every week. I I feel I don't. I feel like I say I didn't care a lot enough, but I I I didn't care a lot. There's bits of it I thought were really clever, like the twist that I genuinely didn't see coming. And again, it was an incredibly easy watch. It didn't ask a lot of me. I thought the performances were good. I didn't particularly uh, like Charlotte Riley. I've struggled with her in other things, but I think when you find out why she's perhaps behaving the way she does, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't think this would be one that I'll watch weekly and get excited about. But um, I suppose it's good to have something that focuses on a different side of society that we haven't seen. I, I do think it's, again, quite insidery. It'd be interesting what the general public makes mm. of it. Because mm. I do think it's it's quite... I don't, I don't think... I don't, I don't, know. I don't, I don't, I don't agree. Know. I absolutely flipping love this. Um, I think this was almost... I, I kind of feel like they wrote this for me. And I, I've, I haven't said that you about said a television this program about in a while. a while. No, you did a while. Bodyguards. Bodyguards. Body, no, no, well, something. No, it wasn't bodyguard. It was something else. I'll think it of it else. and yeah. yeah. Interject when you remember. Just the way in which their journalists spoke to each other and, uh, you know, to, to to the to the minister and the family of the footballer was just so much more what everyone perceives as what they hate about journalism. But I found Ben Chaplin to be just a fantastically bad character evil character but with this kind of like hidden background of like the frailty of his relationship and the frailty of what what he seemed to be almost like a proper journalist from the old days but you know wasn't wasn't too unhappy about breaking the rules to get a story and that's what led him to what he is now i wasn't i do agree with you i didn't find the main herald character uh as quite as appealing and I, it probably was because they didn't want you to guess the, the twist mm. I, they don't want to make her too interesting because you don't want to see that coming and I think they did a very good job in hiding that it was, I'm not surprised there were audible gasps, I think I kind of stopped and watched, I went wow I, mean, I did not see that coming, that's clever, that's good writing, it felt really current, you know, they were dealing with things that and actually dealing with things that really haven't been explored, you know, yet. You know, that there hasn't been a footballer that's openly come out as gay whilst playing football that I know of. There's been lots well, of Well, you wouldn't do it at the same time anyway, probably, would you? Oh, like, half time. Yeah. You'd yeah. wait for You'd have a press conference. You'd probably wait for the press conference. Wouldn't do it yeah, mid-game. So, <laughs> so I think they are dealing, and they, you know, they're dealing with things, you know, that, that, that feel relevant now. Um, and I love the fact you've got, yeah, as you say, these stories of the week versus the character development and the bigger stories that I think will carry through the six episodes. The one thing that Matt didn't mention is the very beginning of the first episode 
is a three months in Luke, the future. Luke Special. Play. The Luke Special. No, Luke no, Special. That, did, that, did, that didn't bother me. No, no, but what I mean is is that we're heading somewhere. You know, she uh, she comes out and in front of the press outside the Herald and he's sort of saying, you know, three months ago and then you flash back three months and everything takes place then, which which I like. Time we carry on this. I, I really like the pace of the dialogue. I think something that we haven't mentioned is very funny. There are a lot of jokes. Yeah. I love the bit where um, the journalist from the Herald, the investigative reporter, is meeting someone from uh, MI5 in the car oh, park yeah. and he's just like, Where's your car? Well, I don't drive. Well, I thought we were just going to meet in our cars. Um, but that and stuff like that, I like the sort of rhythm, the humour. One thing they were saying is, like, when they were doing the research, they went to the Mirror, they went to the Guardian, and mm. uh, the actors who were Charlotte Riley and the actress who played the editor of the Herald were the two stars, and they were saying the rhythm of the newsroom was one thing they picked up, and that is what you can see here, I think. While, while they're at work, I really like that. I felt personally that once everything had gone to the press is that the the pace of it sort of lessened slightly i didn't as the two of you said see the twist coming i like the world and i think it is realistic that these these journalists from the different papers would interact and would end up in bed together i think that's that i think what mike bartlett has done is he's picked up on a lot of different stories that he's heard and um and as well this was something this is almost like a passion project for mike bartlett because he was saying that He's had this idea to write this drama about journalists years ago, and no one was interested. And then, like, well, Levinson the happened, and things like that. And then someone actually asked him, Do you want to write a drama about journalists? I remember so, when we talked about this in your preview for the year, and I have to admit, you're totally smashing me and Luke at the moment on that one. It feels very relevant. Yeah, and it's, it's rare that you get a drama that is just about journalists. Normally, you would have. A journalism side of things like yeah uh, you know for example we've just had sharp objects where amy adams is playing the reporter but i mean this is focused on the news business and i think if it does well in the ratings mm. bbc will want this as a long-running series because mike bartley was saying that um he's got plenty of ideas and it, it you know it is something that can run and run you know it's not like dr foster was very limited and where it could go after that first series this has got, you know, reams and reams of ideas, I think, he's got for this. And I think it is a realistic world, even though it's a completely fictionalised world. It, it, you can believe the characters, I think. Um, and I think I think you will warm to the characters more as the series progresses. I think it's harsh to judge on one episode. But I really liked the pace of the dialogue, the wit of it. Uh, and and it's, it's something new. As I said, you know, we haven't really had yeah. anything set in this world. This is... You know, like a like a weekly, almost like a soap, like a weekly sort of serial drama that that yeah. has obviously got an end point with you know the three months later, but you know can go on from there. So I I I enjoyed it as well. And Mother's Day is the other drama. This was Monday night, BBC Two. Uh, Luke went to the screening of this, so he can talk us through this. This is a single drama from the um, from the writer who wrote it, Nick Leather. Who brought us, um, yeah, Nick Leather. I met him as well, lovely but Am I doing this review or something? Yeah, no, you may as well be. <laughs> who wrote, um, most recently, uh, Murdered for Being Different, uh, which Matt praised not too long ago in podcast land. Uh, this focuses on two women that sort of divided by the Irish Sea. There's a bombing in Warrington at the very start of the drama that 
tears one family apart and sets uh, Vicky McClure's character. Um, she plays Susan McHugh, and she sort of sees all the destruction on TV and makes a call to a really well-known Irish radio station and radio show, rather, and says, I want to do something. I'm, I'm just an ordinary woman. I want to do something to stop this tragedy from occurring again and again. It's all based on real-life events, and it's interwoven with the proper news footage from the time. Matt and I were 10 in 93, and I have absolutely no knowledge of this happening, but um, a lot of people who were at the screening that day didn't didn't have much of a memory of it either. I, I was it, 19, and I must admit, I do not remember any of it. But the writer, Nick Leather, he, he, he lived in Warrington. He remembers it really well. He remembers the the streets that that it was on. He was on the, uh, the shopping arcade the day before with his family, and it's a story he's always wanted to write. So Anna Maxwell Martin and Daniel Mays play the father of the main boy. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash usbp. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash usbp. That they focus on that's a sort of blown to bits, really, in Warrington, uh, who dies quite early on in the drama. And then it is the family coming to terms with it in their various different ways of coping with grief. And Vicky McClure as this Susan McHugh character, sort of standing up for what she believes is right and becoming a sort of sort of a politician without being in politics and a voice for the people. But she's not completely a heroine because she's seen by some as sticking her nose into places that she doesn't belong. She's annoyed. She annoys the Northern Irish community because, you know, because it's always happened in Warrington and this has been happening all this time in Northern Ireland and you didn't care about us. So there's a lot to, to take in, but she is credited with starting the peace process. And as always in these real-life dramas, you do at the end... Are you sure it was 1993 and not 1983? No, 1993. Gosh, OK. Yeah, 1993. So, yeah, Daniel Mays, Anna Maxwell-Martin, Vicky McClure and David Wilmot are the main faces in this. And I have to say... Vicky McClure, who we talk about a lot on the podcast because we're big fans of Line of Duty, it's just she's just completely transformative in this. I mean, you cannot, you cannot for one minute believe that she is anything other than this Susan McHugh character with, you know, these these strong beliefs and this want for change. Anna Maxwell Martin plays grief incredibly well. I thought Daniel Mays, who it took me a while to recognise, was outstanding as the father Colin. And I liked how it just felt so incredibly respectful to all involved. I know that the director, Fergus O'Brien, and the writer, Nick Leather, went and met them several times and showed them the progress. But I I just thought it was a really sincere, honest, brutal, difficult-to-watch single drama that will stick with me. And I think it's important that the BBC show something like this. I thought Vicky McClure's acting was brilliant. You know, she, as you say, perfectly pitched uh, Dublin accent as well. Um, Intersplicing it with kind of real news and real footage was very clever. Uh, and, and it felt innovative without feeling kind of 
um, dated. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if it's if you're setting it sort of 25 years ago, it didn't feel like it. And they did a nice job at the end, you know, flashing up the real pictures of the people. Um, and one thing that I found very amazing that I read afterwards is that they didn't meet the families. So Vicky McClure no. did not meet uh, Mrs. McEwen. Um, you know, uh, and I think that's very interesting because normally when people do these kind of things, you know, particularly if it's real life, they get their inspiration from meeting them. But what they did was they just sort of, you know, acted what was there in front of them and took their own interpretation, which I think gave it more believability rather than just being a documentary well, drama. The, the director that I spoke of just a second ago, he didn't want the them to do impressions. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Susan. I don't. They're not doing impressions. They're made up to look a bit like them, but they, they at no point did I feel that they weren't they weren't playing real people. It was incredible. Matt, you watched this on a train. I did on the way down to the press screening. I totally agree with with what you've said. I enjoyed the performances. Yeah, Vicky McClure, really sort of good as this sort of forthright, passionate woman who isn't perfect but no. tries her best. And and conversely, got Anna Maxwell Martin, who is doing really good facial mm. acting because she doesn't have a lot of lines of dialogue. Anna Maxwell Martin, she's no, reacting to reacting the point to, of the character as well, is it? She doesn't want to speak out at yeah, first. Reacting to the pe- what the people are saying. I think this this the scene where she just looks at all these sort of sacks and sacks of letters that they've received from people who, you know, want to sympathise with them. And when she's back at her job as a dinner lady and she just drops all those pies because she can't cope with being surrounded by all these school children. Those, <laughs> scene, those scenes are really well sort of played and well choreographed. And, yeah, I think both both actresses... I think this is going to feature very heavily in the BAFTAs yeah. um, coming up next year. But, yeah, it, it was a really well-made drama and, you, yeah, the period detail was quite well done. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of the CustardTV.com. Series 15 of The yes. X Factor. If you're Doesn't playing it feel like it's aged, does it? <laughs> look at Simon Cowell's face. Oh, um, God, like, that's all I could do is look at his face all night long. You're watching in HD. Yes. Judges this time, uh, Simon Cowell, uh, Louis Tomlinson, not Louis, gotta have a Louis. Uh, well, Louis Louis, that's the rule. of uh, One Direction fame. He's from Doncaster, don't you know? And yeah. then, that came um, up a few times, didn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Robbie Williams and his wife, Ida Williams or Ida Field, depending on who you ask, because it seems to change from time to time. Um, who? I mean, Robbie, fair enough. Ida, no idea why, why? she's on it apart from... Robbie, um, I'm not doing it unless my wife does it. Uh, that's well, the I did read a little bit, and apparently um, Ida is friends with Simon and his girlfriend, uh, Lauren. Uh, so whether they were having a chat... Why doesn't she thought, just do it as well? Just, I don't Just know. have a double date. She's going to look after the kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know who's, who's going to look after the kids well, if she's on, you know, like Holly Willoughby. Yeah, it just felt very low rent. I remember when uh. the X Factor a big deal and we've gone back now to it starting in like live like in a live setting there in Wembley rather than them having it in the audition room first which I I still like I know that I, I, I think I, it, I tell you why I don't like that just while you're on the subject the audition it, room. it makes it no I like the audition room I'm sorry yeah. I thought you were saying that you no, like no, the no, live no, I quite sorry. like the audition room. sorry I do too with me. 
I don't like the live room because it, the live audition because it makes it feel like Britain's Got Talent, and mm. they even yeah. reference that with the golden buzzer thing. But the way they made Wembley look, it almost looked like a sort of dingy. Was it half club empty? Club. Is that why? Yeah, I don't know. it felt like like a youth club or something. They were auditioning at, not Wembley. Um, I mean, yeah, Living Joy Woman was the highlight of the singing. There was a guy um, who'd auditioned on Pop Idol like 17 years ago, who felt like he was a character for Phoenix Knights. Um, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> As did the guy at the end, really, who sang with Robbie Williams. Yeah, the the main focus here didn't seem to be on actual talent, and it no. just seemed to be on on people who had We're the there. stories. And even like that fifteen year old girl who came on, they said, "Oh, you're not quite ready yet. You've not got quite got your identity, but we'll put you through anyway." What's the point? No, what they actually but... said was, "If you'd like us to put you through, we will." There's just no chemistry between them. And Even nothing... between Ida and Robbie and they're married. I know. And, and equally, there's nothing new. It was the same sob stories, the same mix of good and bad. And, and there's just nothing new here. They haven't created a star from this in years. And it's like, what's the point anymore? As you said as well, Luke, on Twitter last night, that you, like Kevin Ligo's just looking for these sort of ratings winners and things now. But they're, they're not, the X Factor's no, not winning but, ratings anymore. But if you asked him, uh, he sorry, would still just, say uh, it was I, a juggernaut. Yes, um, but what I was going to say is that, like, if you look over to Channel 5, and Ben Fro has now said that he's planning for now, like, a big brotherless year next year, and maybe LIGO should think about... I know that we, we're banging this drum for, like, seven years. years. I think since, yeah. Since, yeah. Uh, since we've been doing this podcast, because we've just had our seventh anniversary, the first show, actually, you talked about was the, was the X Factor in 2011 yeah. with... Um, I feel like this has been overdue arrest so long. It just needs to be put die. out of its mystery. I mean, for, for example, last year, they, they tried something different with the live shows, but the, the build-up before that had been standard X Factor. And I think Simon Cowell and the team at Psycho only know how to produce TV in a certain way and aren't willing to accept change. Because could, you could easily sort of put this next to an episode of Britain's Got Talent and say which one's X Factor, which one's Britain's but, Got Talent. But look well, at, last look, night, I couldn't tell. Exactly. Yeah. Look, look at their lineup. They easily could have done something better in this year. You've got two members of two of the biggest boy bands in recent history, one from the 90s and one from the recent times. You so easily could have said, right, this year we're going to create a girl band and a boy band. They could have gone back to that kind of pop Star, the, the rivals pop idea. Pop stars, the rivals. Pop yeah. stars, the rivals. And it wouldn't have looked out of place, and at least it would have been something different. And and then Ida could have been almost like the pop group. I The, the groupie almost kind of like, look, I was a fan of boy bands. I'm yeah, married Bobby well. Williams, I'm for married goodness to sake. One. Yeah. Exactly. And at least then you would have justified why you've got these people together. But no, as you said, it feels like Robbie said, I ain't doing it, let's be Mrs. Ken. Judging from what we've all said, none of us are... We've, we all said this prior to, the, to, well, to it being released, yeah. that we're not going to stick I, with it this I year. I said that I'm not going to watch it this year, and I said to the folks, I said... And I'm not. It, it winds me up every year. I said, if you want to watch it, we'll watch it. And my mum said, well, is there anything else on? And I said, well, no, but I've got an archive of stuff that's probably better. So yeah. I watched the first one for the sake of reviewing this and because it's the first one of a new series. But I just sat there completely unimpressed, unamused. There's no energy to it anymore. There's no, I was more, no. excitement. I was more, looking, 
I was more looking forward to the adverts. X Factor, die, just die. Kevin Ligo, have some guts and say to Tony Gale. What are you going to say? Kevin Ligo, die. Have some guts. Say to Simon Cowell, either make us a completely new show that we can put out on a Saturday night or stop making the X Factor. Thing is, I think we said this before, I think there's some sort of handcuff deal where if you want Britain's Got Talent, which still does well for the six weeks it's on, then you've got to have the X Factor. And I think as long as that is the deal, then I think the X Factor's here to stay forevermore. Because I don't think people will tire of Britain's Got Talent in quite the same way that they're tiring of the X Factor. But have some guts and get rid of it. It's old before it's time. And I was thinking, most of the young girls that were auditioning, they don't know a world without the X Factor. No. They were yeah. they were born into a world where the X Factor was already going strong, if you like. I can't believe how long it's been on the TV for. Christ, it's the reality TV well, it's, it's version like that of girl Last of the Summer Wine. Like that girl that got through singing that James Brown song, the X Factor is as old as her. Yes, and that makes me feel... Ancient and very angry. Strictly's been on the same amount of time, but I think the thing with Strictly is that it did it, it, in 2010. It sort of reinvented itself a little bit, and I think, I think the thing with Strictly as well. I was thinking about this is that there's no real stakes at the end of it. You know, there doesn't have to be any follow-up, and it's it's more no. of just an inclusive show. I think Strictly is just a fun show, whereas X Factor still feels the need to like at the first audition that boy band. They just Feel, Simon Cowell still feels the need to think that we need to see rubbish singers being berated. I don't understand why he still thinks that's irrelevant. It was it was amusing in like when Pop Idol first came on and when the X Factor first came on. It's not amusing. I've never seen anything I, like it when the Pop Idol I, yeah. started. I, I think that's the thing. The other thing is we've now grown up and we know know that they haven't just turned up on stage on that no. day they've been auditioned by producers beforehand yeah. we all now know that whereas only a select few people knew that in the beginning so it's not like they just walked in off the street they've been chosen to be crap to be humiliated yeah yeah because they only pick the good ones or the bad ones although at yeah. the moment it seems like they're pit in the middle of, there's no real standout stars but no because there's it's... normally at least one on the opener mm. that people will talk I about mean, but... i think i think the, high, the preview for tonight year. made it seem like there might be some better stuff tonight but again those things are so well edited you can't tell pick of the week then this is where we point you at a, a thing on in the week that's worthy of a look in the general direction of go mine is going to be no offense which we've got a lot oh, of stuff on the website coming up about um it's the third series. Again, this was on. I believe this was on my list of um, things coming yeah, up. They've all been in winning. the last <laughs> bodyguard. Pre- well, we haven't seen press yet, so we don't know. I will be seeing that on Tuesday. Um, well, I'll have seen it by the time you hear this, listeners. Um, third series of uh, Paul Abbott's excellent um, cop comedy drama yeah, with yeah. Uh, Joanna, Joanna, jo- Joanna Scanlon and um, Elaine Cassidy and Alexandra Roach. Just really good, just really fun. Um, I feel like not... Gary's never seen this. It's one we've championed. You, you, you and one tried we've... it, didn't you? And didn't, it I tried it, I didn't you. like it. Yeah, I didn't okay. like it. It's nine o'clock on Thursday on Channel 4. Yes, even though you sounded quite unsure about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was all just doing my Ron Burgundy again there. Yeah, all that, Burgundy? all that information that he said, despite not being sure, is correct. And I have to say, that's what I'm going to go for as well. Often we'll 
we'll pick different ones, but there isn't enough um, for us Actually, to talk Luke, about. you pick that. I'm gonna I'm gonna punt on Black Earth Rising. Oh, that is quite a punt. Yeah, Black Earth Rising. Talk about that. Yeah, which is Hugo Blick who did the Shadow Line, which I liked, and then he did the Honourable Woman, which I did like. Um, this has got the odds combo of Michaela Cole and John Goodman. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. It's an issue based one, but I I have liked Hugo Blick stuff before, and it's got a strong cast. So I'm going to certainly Congo? give that a go. Hmm? Isn't yeah, Isn't she's Congo? In... Rwanda. Yeah. Rwanda. I thought it was Bongo, I thought, when I saw the preview. Bongo and Bongo, they drink it in the Congo. Indeed. Yeah. Racism. And, and um, Gary? Strangers? Yeah, no, that's on ITV, yes. Monday night, 9 o'clock. Yes. There you go. Stars John Sim uh, set in Hong Kong, where he gets a message saying his wife has died, then all sorts of things happen, his wife's body goes missing. Um, written by a friend of mine. Or co-written by a friend of mine. So... That's why Gary. I, I, I have to say nice things about. It. No, I don't. I haven't seen him in years. But the thing that the, the other thing that's coming back next week is the juice, which I've corrected the spelling of, and um, and Gary enjoyed that, and that was all about the sex. Yeah, I did. I do. I enjoyed David Simon. What can I say? But it's yeah, it was all about the sex. But the first episode wasn't so much. Yes, it was. There was a lot of sex. It was. There was an awful lot of sex in it. Well, no, but the first episode wasn't about the sex industry. Uh, sorry, the pornography industry. It was more about um, the streets of New York and prostitution. The second episode was when it moved on that's to the still sex the industry. Sex, that's still the sex trade, prostitution. It's, different different <laughs> it's, it's oh, a grey well, area. Anyway, it's a grey area. Know, I didn't watch it anymore. What I'm saying. Oh, we will be coming again next week. You'll have oh, to see. Hello. Bill. <laughs> 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 We'll have to wait and see. For now, though, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.